Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, Guy. Hello, Gary. I say it seems weird uh, having not seen you for over a week. I miss you. I know you do. Uh, I don't miss you at all. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> you know what? It's so nice to be back with my family, I have to say. And it's nice to be back to the real world and London and all the things that I like to do. And my kids, of course. What I miss is the bus. I I miss getting on that bus and my life is on hold. And it's, your life is so few things it and is. they're all there. It is. There's no case there. on the bus. There's people to protect you, uh, but also miss your sense of humour. I miss having the laugh that we had over the last couple I, of I miss the laugh because I'm not having much of a I've, I've moved into a new house, which is fantastic. And I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for it, but... You know, little things like a kitchen would be nice. So in the old days, you would have said a studio would have come before a kitchen. You would just got takeaways and be done with no, it. Do you know what the irony is? I've got a studio. I'm sitting in my studio. That went up. It's like, never mind the kitchen as long as I've got my studio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear it. Um, Dave Davis. Dave Davis. I Where's mean, to begin? He created the the most inspirational rock and roll guitar sound. Yeah, yeah. And but it's also when you actually stop and look at it, it's just too enormous to comprehend. You know, just how much. Right. I think did. you know their inspiration, their influence was so great. You and I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I no, wouldn't absolutely live in this house. You know, the the baton that got passed from the Kinks to to the Who and 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 beyond in rock and yeah. roll. Is is so incredible that that yeah. their their place in the history of things is huge, absolutely huge, and it's it's a real real honour to have this guy on. And he's got a new book out, um, his latest biography because I think he had one a few years ago. This one's called Living, Living on, on the Thin, Thin Line. Line. And and uh, and Guy and I have both uh, read it, and it's we have. It's, it's brilliant. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, so let's get him on and find out what stories he has to tell. Welcome to the Rock on Tours. Okay, guys, I'm ready. Well, it's a big tune for sure. I actually wrote that originally for Tina Turner. Of course, I had gone and found Joni Mitchell down in Florida and brought her back. I've listened to a few of them and they've been really good, man. I'm sitting in the back of the car coming into London. They're brilliant. Thank you guys for still being around, still making music, still being into it and doing this podcast. It, it's uh, it's fabulous. So great to talk to two guys that have done this. Remember me? I'm in a band now. <laughs> it's called Roxy Music. You know this thing about the 10,000 hours of experience? Oh, yeah. Get good at something. When we recorded Arnold Lane, we'd done about 50 hours. The Rock Hunters podcast with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt. Keep on rocking! Yeah! Yes! Can you see us? Yeah, you look great. Fantastic. Uh, Doug, just a fantastic honour to have you here to get to speak oh. to you. You're an oh. absolute legend to us. You're, you know, up there with one of the greatest influences on all of us, what you've done and what you've given this world of rock music. <laughs> but it's, but not as an, it's, but is that one of your paintings in the background? Yeah, I've got them all over the place. I'll finish them one day. <laughs> is that a spaceship or something? What is it? To be honest, I don't, don't quite know yet. I'll let, <laughs> I'll let you know when I find out. That's interesting. Cause so, are you better at finishing songs and finishing paintings then? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've certainly finished plenty of songs. Yeah, that's nice of you. Thank you. I feel a bit humbled and freezing. Well, you look very well. Are you buzzed on this on the on the reaction the books had? Yeah, really. I just, you know, it's hard. You know, you know it's hard doing mm -hmm. stuff. And people think, oh, you know everything, but no, no bug all, really. You just make it up as you go along. But obviously, <laughs> the, not in the book. I mean, make up. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, I've just read it. What <laughs> art? You mean art? <laughs> and then my. Now, I mean, in, in, in the way you do things, you make it up. But do you find, yeah, Dave, yeah. I found when, because I've, you know, we've all written books here, 
Um, when I wrote mine, and, and you're amazed at the stuff you remember, but I'm, if I pick up a copy of it now and look at it... Music. It's, it's, it's the music. Find, it's all gone. But all the stuff, it's like I was storing it on the drive until I could get it down. Then your brain goes, I don't need this anymore. The music will restart memory. Oh, oh the music. So listening oh. to... So did you do that? Did you go oh, back and listen to, yeah, the, yeah, to yeah, the tracks? I was in that same place thinking... Oh, great. Now push comes to shove, and I can't remember anything. So I started from the music, and the m music takes you back to places and people and where you went and what you did. What a lovely affirmation for music, that is. Well, yeah. you know, to, to me, that's all there is. Yeah. You know, really think about it, your memory and your life and your nervous system, everything. Dave, if you think back to your earliest time then, in your back in your family house in Muswell Hill, what is that song? What is that music that makes you think that's me as a kid and the, some of the earliest mm -hmm. stuff I remember? I think it's weird. It's different for everybody, isn't it? But I, I've got to get to the root of this question. Did, was there a sort of style of music that was in your house that your mum and dad liked? Was it? Was it because I grew up next door to a pub in Islington? And Perfect. in the in this early sixties, that pub rock and roll hadn't happened to them. The older generation that lived and frequented in that pub were all singing, you know, old musical songs Mrs. around Mills. the piano, and that's what I grew up. Yeah, I bet yeah. it was a lot more honest, honest as well. The generation before mine were a lot more honest and get up and do stuff and stop moaning and do, no, I mean just doing stuff. And I think like they learnt that from you know suffering through two wars. And yeah. Like they had to infuse themselves with optimism, even if it wasn't there. Islington's a great place. But yeah, that's why I'm a, that's why I'm an Arsenal fan. Oh God. <laughs> but but. <laughs> But, but actually, there was a bit in your book that... I, there were two bits in your book at the beginning that I really connected with. One, I worked in a greengrocer's uh, as a school kid, which yeah. I know you did, right? Yeah. And putting up the show, and I worked with my brother, and putting up the show and talking to... Nightmare, when, right? Right, so, so you know, I'd, I'd, I'd sell spuds to the, to the local people in their council houses and flats, and I'd sell avocados, which I thought was a dessert, to the people who lived in Canterbury. <laughs> but, but also the other thing was my band originally rehearsed in the Camden Head in Camden oh, Passage oh, really? wow. and that's where the Kinks rehearsed yeah absolutely I loved it there but you know did you know it that was... at the time, Gary? Hey, do you know what? When I when I read the book, I had a vague memory of people saying the Kinks used to rehearse here. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah. yeah, I remember that Brian Epstein came to. Audition the Kinks. Hello. At Ca Camden Head. He said no, right? He or said no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not for me, mate. So, so hang on. Just, no. this, just string this image out. Brian Epstein wearing a rather posh suit, I would have thought, walked into the Camden Head. He looked in cool. In he did look cool. I mean, I always thought, you know, he looked very cool. Good dresser. And what songs did you play him? Can't remember. It probably would have been "I'm Home for You, Baby." Can't get enough of your love, or something like that, or um, not Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think he liked us. How did he get to hear of you in the first place? It was our upper class management. Oh, of course, um, yeah. And they knew everybody. I said they do. Granville Collins. Granville's great. Oh, my great guy. Great. Yeah. And he was so, um, I mean, we used to take the mickey out of each other, really. Silly little working class kids and a silly posh top. Yeah, but yeah, it was yeah. good camaraderie. It's good. The mix of the, the vibe was great. Well, especially it must have been because he put you on that society circuit, didn't he? All those sort of posh parties. Well, he did, yeah. We wouldn't know what they were, you know, just... Yeah. Gruffy little kids trying to make a bob, you know? Few bob. But did, did you get to support the Beatles because of, of Brian's interest? Probably, probably, yeah. And um, I remember that gig and the Beatles, and um, I watched them and I thought, we're better than that, we're good. <laughs> I, I, I was so vain and young and 
I thought we were better than everybody, but sometimes you have to be like that to get through. You, you had a bit of a vibe with Lennon, didn't you, for a bit? A bit of a kind of friendship. Yeah, which yeah, that, sounds, which sounds yeah. amazing. Someone, someone who's a bit like, about John Lennon. It's incredibly cool <laughs> for back then. But I, I didn't know. I didn't know the business. So yeah. How are you supposed to act? Oh, you're acting on how are you supposed to act now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. There was no um, template or yeah. way of acting. You just said, oh, Eddie Cochran could do it. It's my car. Lennon was quite jealous, wasn't he? You said in your book. Well, I think he was wary. He was very wary yeah. of. Everybody, I think, which when you when you come into this business, especially at that time, you didn't know if you were going to be beaten up or or <laughs> it was tricky. I don't recommend going into show business. Yeah, it's a bit late for us, I'm afraid. But thanks for the yeah, thanks for the advice, Dave. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but the the thing, but what's it? Because that time is such a size, especially even the thing of of, of having the posh manager and the society board. Because it was the it was the the one time of I would say the truest meritocracy time when a lot of those barriers were broken down. But also, you're in a world you're talking about. Don't go into show business. This is when show business is becoming the music business that we know, that was, isn't it? Uh, there was really a music business. Yeah. It was kind of like it was oh, package I've... tours. It was you know you're, yeah, was... you're kind of, it was kind of replacing the old music hall variety packages, weren't you? Well, that, it's funny you should say that because um, I come from a pretty big family. I mean, yeah, six sisters, one brother, and um, oh yeah, who's that? I don't. I can't Sorry. remember his name. But, um, <laughs> no. It, a big family, a big working class family. I have to be really corny and say that we were surrounded by an immense amount of love and encouragement. Mm-hmm. Like, we can do stuff, and oh, no, you can't do it. All my mates yeah. at school um, used to laugh at the fact that we were trying to play guitars. Well, I'm still laughing. <laughs> But, <laughs> but the fact that um, we were doing it, you know, and yeah. my family were very encouraging, uh, uh, getting stuff done, I'll try that song, try this song. Because my family grew up, my mum and dad especially, they grew up with music. My sister grew, grew up with Oklahoma and South Pacific, and oh, it was wonderful, wonderful, talented people and it's all going on in the background you started off with that kind of blues r&b palette that everyone had but then the well, breadth yeah, but... The, but the breadth of the songwriting there was clearly had been such a wider world that you've been exposed to oh yeah but it yeah. was it was really quite i think in the very beginning it was the guys pioneers from like the country and western like hank williams and uh, obviously the blues was because mm-hmm. it was so new to us. But what was interesting, I was listening. Remember being a kid, I'm trying trying to pick out a few chords, and listening to Lead Belly, mm-hmm. this thing about being working on the railway. I think my ankle works on the railway yeah. <laughs> in King's yeah, Cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. <laughs> Well, that's why Skiffle was fitted in so well in the UK, oh, wasn't it? Right. And it was easier. And I was a big fan of Lonnie Doddingham. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think he kind of broke through the, the class thing or the type of music we were listening to. It was great. Where were you hearing your first blues records, though? How, how did that... Did you, were you going to friends' houses who'd managed to yeah, find imports? Yeah, I've, I, I had a friend at school who... His name, it's not a joke. His name was Johnny Burnett. Wow. And I always, always imagined it to be Johnny Burnett. <laughs> and he, he to get... His family were American. They used to get records from the States. Ah, oh, wow. And, and one day... He played me um, Sweet Little Sixteen by Chuck Berry. I thought I was going to go mad. What is it? What is the day? It's amazing. But it's funny when you look back at these incredible influences, there's a lot more going on than just 
what they're playing, mm. the feeling, you know, paintings falling off the wall, everything. Is <laughs> it's like film set, you know, listening to a movie. It's amazing. They call it nostalgia in the girls. I love that. The fact that, in you know, now we look on YouTube and see things, you know, now in those days, you know, you really listen to the record and you sat there going backwards and forwards on the record until you'd found found how to play well, it on your guitar. Because I was hypnotised. No, I never gave up. If they got, couldn't work it out, you'd make it up. You know, you make something up. Make it sound similar to that do. The other thing we have in common, of course, Dave, and it's it's a, it in. Oh, I'm a great admirer of your music. Oh, thanks, mate. No, no, no. You don't. But thank you. But but the other thing we have in yeah, common is I know, I've got my. I know a bloody heart is. So, oh, you know. Cheers, mate. But is is I've got. You know, I played. Oh God, I really enjoyed. Was it Peter Medak? Oh, the craze. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Thank because you. we were approached by the craze, bless them, some years before. And um, because my sister, Gwen, her friends were the craze when they were, when they were young. So I come from, not from us, they came Islington. My family was Islington. I yeah. saw Islington people. And um, it was a part of our, part of our history, a backstory. And, and Gwen, Said that uh, whenever the crows were in the neighborhood to get out of town <laughs> <laughs> because we didn't realize the obviously when we started and the, the backstory of the, the crime and the, the you didn't we didn't realize that was going on at, at first. We did eventually the, the crime and the but you never met the craze, you never met the craze, no. But my sister knew them, and uh, whenever they used to come around. They used to send me to my other sister's house and just say, Dave's not in. Me being the young, cute little boy and all that. Thing. Right. Get Dave out of here. Oh, right. You weren't allowed to see. I said, what? What, 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 what are you talking about? Dave, my thing that I'm, what I was talking about, about having in common with you is obviously being in a band with my brother for many years. Um, and I know is how pleased. Good? Well, it, good? It, it was good, actually. And I, I, I got on well. But it pleased my parents because because both of us were were doing well in this group, and I guess your parents must have had uh, been really pleased to see that Ray well, yeah, and because, you, because you were his little those, brother, weren't you? You know. Oh yeah, and in those days, nobody had any any money, right? It was very broad of steel, and uh, everybody was saying, "You you can't take up music," you know. Nobody gets. Any decent money. My mum was happy. For start, she could get rid of us. And it's a job. Yeah. Make your own bleeding money. <laughs> that sort of attitude, you know. You know, it, I have very fond memories of, of growing up in Muswell Hill, North London. And it was a very exciting time. That time was very exciting. Because it seemed like you could do, do anything. Because yeah. you stayed there for a long time, didn't you, Dave? After that, this is what I find interesting is after your success, rather than moving straight into the groovy Chelsea pad, you stayed in Muswell Hill. I, I remember thinking that when, when I was going to buy a house, I thought, I've got a mate who lives off Pink's Road. I'm going to have a look at places. And I felt homesick. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you find yourself in New York or LA, and think, "Wow, wow! We didn't know what, what we didn't know what, what we were doing." Part of it must have been because you were very young. You were seventeen, weren't you, when you had your first? Yeah, yeah you were incredibly young. Yeah, yeah it's, it's scary to think back now. Yeah, that age difference between you and Ray, which is only three yeah, but years. No, but those at days, that age, at that age, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. That's what I mean. Exactly. That was a gulf. Yeah. yeah. And but, was there um, ever that feeling from from Ray? Oh, I've got to take my little brother around with me. Or was he? No, was he? Abs no. Were you absolutely bonded? It, no, it was like Ray. Had, Ray was a funny guy. When we got on the football field, we were really together and protective of each other. But after that, you were on your own, kid. Yeah, we were always close. I mean, like, impossible to have spent that amount. Of time and years work, working together without without being close. 
but there's different types of being close. From reading your book, a lot of your more overt kind of disagreements were with other people in the band. Well, yeah, I think right now we're weird to each other, but we're very protective of each other because of the family connection. You know, it's all right for me to call them a bug or whatever. But if anyone else does, yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I can see what you're saying, Dave, about, you know, you feeling homesick, just going to view a property in Chelsea. (laughs) And and that Ray's obsession with home was, was always, has always been there. I mean, you know, 10 years later, he writes Muswell Hillbilly's album. You released that album. You know, it's, it's so much part of your DNA that you're trying, you know, both of you trying to, tell the rest of the world about the characters that you've grown up with, that the characters that are in your family, the interesting parts of old London that seem to be dying out. It's a really interesting <coughs> time because you've got Harold Wilson talking about the white heat of technology. You've got tower yeah. blocks going up. The empire had gone and all the, all everything you knew about being working class and socially and culturally could be wiped off the map. And there was a sense of preservation that you guys we're trying to put around it. Well, thank you. You're right. It's true. And like, um, I don't think it was a good job. I was so young because um, I could blame everything on Ray because he was older. <laughs> and <laughs> and I had a kind of an attitude just go and do it and you know, not worry about what part, political party. I, I didn't know anything about that. Just living, I think a part of of what we lost about that time is just living, like having the sense to know how to care about each other and who to look after mm. and who to protect, which had kind of gone though. So we live, it's like a sort of gang warfare now, even in politics, like gang warfare. And well, um, yeah, it's all about everything is divide and rule, everything is. You know, that's yeah, and, and, and politics. Oh, no, I shouldn't say it, but politics really depressed me. I'd rather make friends with someone or, or try to mm-hmm. and have a pint and say, What's going on? How do you feel? Because that's in the end of the day, when you're left alone with the guy or people, you say, What do you talk about? It's about how you feel. Then that's when we're losing a lot the core connection as human beings. How do you mm-hmm. feel, mate? Oh, a bit of dodgy. You know, just real things. Not, yeah. no, do you like my new Savile Row suit? <laughs> Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I mean, I think what's the epitome of the kinks, you know, when, when you were in your absolute pomp is is being able to tell stories about the kind of weird characters, the old... Which, from my mum and dad, but our extended family were very close. Ray has written about this character in many guises, in many ways, in, in songs and then with the, our Uncle Frank, Uncle Frank, so oh, yeah. classic... <laughs> you can't make it up. My dad was Frank. Yeah, I probably knew him as well. He was like a cartoon character. Oh, why am I happy? All this. <laughs> they were real people. They weren't comics. Or they weren't, they, that's how people were. 
and that when you move to Muzzle Hill, God's a little bit posher, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole, I mean, what's brilliant is taking those characters and, I mean, something like Arthur, where, who was, that's based on your brother-in-law, isn't it, who went to Adelaide? Yeah. Went to, but then, was, but then, yeah. then doing a whole treatise on empire and the fall of empire based on, from that one little, you know, nugget of an idea. Yeah, I think it's because Ray, Ray was the oldest, eldest, oldest on her. And uh, by three years, he was also a very quiet kid. And I think it helped him form his style of writing. And that was a great plus. I think because really uh, one of her sisters who died on Ray's birthday, she had a heart problem. Oh, yeah, that's, it's a tragic she story. Was, that. Yeah, tragic. She was a great painter, artist, and uh, a musician. We learned a lot from her, but I think it was almost like that analogy with the um, the story of the secret cause. I think Ray was kind of waiting for really to know to impart some sort of info code or something, no, which no. she did in a way. She did. Now I think Ray had been searching for this lost cause all his life, maybe before we know. That's how he honed his craft. There were three great London bands, weren't there? All telling stories of working class people. That's obviously you, Small Faces and The Who. Yeah, but yeah. most of all, I would have said, you know, I mean, let's look at Arthur. You know, Guy just mentioned Arthur, the, mm. the, yeah. the concept album, which was 1968. Year, right. The year yes. before yeah. Tommy. I mean, it must, have, it must have been one of the first concept albums. Is, am I right to say that? Well, you were... Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think... Um... We knew what the Who were doing, and then what they trying to copy us again? What did they? No, because was there, no, yeah, because, because fair, there was a there was a script and a TV idea with it, wasn't yeah, there? Was, yeah, yeah. ICV had a Ray was working on a, a film script for TV uh, with who was the guy Julian Mitchell, I think the guy was, you know, but that all kind of collapsed. We had all the music, so what did we do? Make an album. Also, Pi Records let us use the big studio, bigger <laughs> knobs and things. You know? As no, it's great because you you'd had you'd had you'd had all these massive hits before. You'd been a massive act, and there's and now they let you use the big studio. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, Dave, was there, a, cool. was there a sense of anger though when when Tommy came out? Because I mean, I said, I said, I was talking to a guy this morning. There's a track on Arthur called Johnny Thun Johnny Thunder. Oh yeah, Real yeah. guy is is with you know something that Pete completely uses in Tommy. Well, there's a there's <laughs> three there's three bits of it which are kind of it and it's it's just essence of Tommy. You can say it's it's nothing you, apart from that one core sequence. But more to the point, did Johnny Thunders get his name from that track? Well, Johnny Thunder character is based on it's Ray's song, so I don't want to speak out of line. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Oh, yeah, why not? There was a biker in Muscle Hill. He was so out of place. He had he thought it was James Dean or Brando or someone, and he really dressed up for it. And he had a girlfriend who used to do it on only and. Have you ever been to Muswell Hill? I have. My my yeah. stepdad's from Muswell Hill. So I used to oh. go there a lot as a kid. I can't remember the um, name of the road. At the top of the hill. No, it's actually a hill. At the top. It's a great view. At the horns of the hill. Johnny Thunder is surrounded by roundabout. And one slope is a footrest got caught on road. And the bike went... Topsy Turvy and Monkey and the poor guy died, but God. that was my yeah. view of what eventually became Johnny Thunder. Johnny Thunder lives on water, feeds on lightning. So it's, it's partially romanticised, but but as with all the great writing, right? Ray is a great writer and documenter of our times as well. Yeah, well, that's actually. I want, uh, Dave. I want to get onto because you've written some fantastic songs, and there's and it's probably quite nice. But the difference, I would say, certainly in this earlier stuff between you and Ray, is you were saying Ray would basically find a character, 
or invent a character and then base it around someone someone that you knew or someone part of your extended family or some local character and tell tell a truth through that. Whereas you're right, yeah. the clown, Susie still Suzanne's still alive. You took much more direct experience, didn't you? That's why I thought um rock and roll was really about people yeah. having a good time or finding out how to have a good time. And um that's why I think that whenever they talk about rock and roll, they really, you know, that's why Chuck Berry has to fulfil a great part of that heritage or lineage or whatever you call it. Because he was singing about, I mean, who could sing about a menu? It's like, uh, when it all rhymed and like, wow, it's kind of pretty incredible. I mean, you... You go home and you play too much monkey, monkey business or play it in the studio. It's amazing lyric. You know, it's a, it's a, it's about life that was going on then, but it's funny. He had the knack of knowing when to use humour. I just want to go back to what guys saying, Dave, about your you putting your personal stories into your songs because Susanna's still alive. I mean, this is quite. An amazing story that reveals itself within your book. She was a, a girl that you met at school when you were fifteen. Was it? And and yeah, you want to tell some of that story? Yeah, it's, I get quite emotional when thinking about it. It was like yeah, I was like my first love at school, and uh, she was older than me, and um, I felt I had a heel to pursue. And when it, you know, it's oh. Those wow. were the days when, um, oh shit, where do I start? When do I end? Still going. Um, she got pregnant, didn't she? And your yeah. mum didn't want you two to ever be together and she was sent away. We, yeah, she was worried about, really, about the boys not having jobs. Yeah. And they were worried yeah, yeah. about me ending up being a barrel boy, which could be a barrel boy, but uh, it ended up the market and she wanted better things for us. And she, the day I walked in with Sue on my arm and said, Mum, we're going to get married, thinking she was going to explode in some rapturous, joyous moment, she went, mm, what have you done, David? Like, have you ruined your life? I said, Mum, we're in love. Oh. But to her, it was like a setback. We were heading on the course, in her mind, of a life that was going to be more bountiful than, you know, the yeah, mums always know. Mums always know. But she was pretty smart, my mum. What's really moving in the story is that you, you didn't see your child for, for 30 years. Yeah. And then I, I did. Then Tracy called me up at the office. Oh, you don't have to go through it, Dave. Sorry. Oh, just, it's, it's such a great part of the book. And the way you put your art in, you're, you try to, st you're still thinking about this when you write that song, Susanna's Still Alive, and is is really moving to us as people who like to listen to music and get something from that music. Yeah. But the fact that there's a, it's a real uh, Romeo and Juliet story. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, well. It so. still moves me today and I think about it, but like, you know, you move on, your life changes, and you, you, you embark back on this great adventure of playing in the rock band, uh, hopefully to be the next Eddie Cochran. Because <laughs> no, really... I want to get on to the other one, because what's interesting, because Death of a Clown, which is a masterpiece, this is a fantastic oh, song. And there's, there's a very funny story about you doing a German TV with it in the book. <laughs> but, it was, but it's interesting how you're dealing with such massive elemental things, right? If you look at your titles, the Susanna's still alive, then death. Of a clown, <laughs> like, yeah, everything is like totally. <laughs> but I love that. I love the, the. There's a YouTube video uh, you sent me, guy, of of, of Dave doing it on yeah. TV somewhere. Have you do it on TV? At the end of it, you're sticking up two fingers to someone. I don't know. You're doing you're <laughs> through that person. The cameraman problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a really interesting song as well, isn't it? Because because you you you'd put it was on a Kinks album. But it also came out as a Dave Davis solo record. That's right, yeah. Um, the management, Robert and Grovel at the time, thought it could be a chance for me to embark on a solo career. Which I, I kind of toyed with the idea, but 
I was a bit a bit of a homeboy though, even though I don't know the girls and champagne and well, you still were, but that's what the funny thing for the because it sounds like when you 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 write this song as a moment at a moment of kind of self realization of realizing you've got yeah. to change, but then you don't really do you <laughs> for a while or so. Yeah, seems. give me a point. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 really funny when my my whole life life has been like that. It's like wanting things to change so much. And then you look around, and then how has it changed? Has it changed so much? You know, people talk the longer words, and they speak in like a different language in a way. It's a very different language, the English language in those days. Me and Ray communicate by telepathy, I think, because we never really had a conversation unless it were about the Arsenal or Derek Tapscott or something. Oh yeah, and then we open up. How are you? Oh, oh, yeah, not bad. Now the conversation. Are you talking about the sort of dishonesty of blokes that we always we're always talking? We you know we talk about football or we'll, we we distract. You know we're not really ever going to be emotional. Yeah. No, yeah, I think you're right. It's, it was it, the leftovers from I think our parents in the war years. You can't talk about weird stuff like psychiatry. Don't talk. I don't talk about stiff upper lip and all that. It was the leftovers from that area, really. Mm. And, and like, of course, when we got into show business, which which was full of gay people, even before gay gayness or being gay was legal in '65 and six. I think it only became legal in '66. I think. No, it was. Um, I th- I, it was like 70. It was actually incredibly late or something. It was... But in show business, when, you, when you're in business, you're all this. Because you know? your attitudes on that front, I must say, uh, uh, were so incredibly ahead of their time, which is brilliant, which is that you there was no issue, which is like kind of where we are now. Yeah. You talk really casually in your book about your, you know, your uh, bisexuality at the time. I think I was young enough to not have not be tainted by all the, the, the social um, hypocrisy or whatever, you know, at the time. Mm. And I had boyfriends, I used to go clubbing with, with me and my mates. We would dance and and, um, and I only realised how much I adored women after I had a very deep relationship with a guy. That's, well, that was the TV presenter? Yeah, so, Michael. Johnny yeah. yeah, and... Uh, I loved them in a way, and I, but I didn't. I wasn't in love with them. Like, it mm. took me ages to work out what it was. But it was like it's like appreciation and, and wanting to share things rather than yeah. get a give off, mate. And I, <laughs> but there was that element as well, though, mm. of the get your give off. But it's a person out there, you know. It's got mm. feelings. And why should mm. I? like art and, and be a little bit effective and want, want to wear unusual clothes. And I loved unusual. Unusual was my main, main thing as a kid. Well, I mean, you know, this was, a, this was an you're amazing a time, though, wasn't it? Of, you know, men growing their yeah. hair, wearing more feminine clothes and working class well, people I, suddenly mixing with middle class, upper class people. I mean, yeah. this had ever happened before, it seemed to me, you know? Yeah. I remember I was 16 or 15, and I saw a picture of Oscar Wilde. And I thought, wow, what a cool dude. I want to be like that. That TV programme of you doing Death of a Clown, is you could actually be auditioning for the part of Oscar in a Oscar. play. <laughs> well, listen, what's, what's funny, though, is that picture you're talking about was taken just as he'd arrived in New York to do the, hit yeah. the tour of America. And that was like the first rock and roll tour. Really? I mean, he, he spent a year touring America then and becoming a superstar. Dave, what I want to get back on, what I want yeah, to get on to do, do, yeah. is you with Shell Tell Me and you really got Oh, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the moment that you basically, you personally yes, you thank found you. a sound that was just about you. You found a sound that was going to be about every rock and roll guitarist for the next 15 yeah. oh, years. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, that riff... Everything about that riff, the simplicity of it, the rawness of it, 
but you've got to tell us about how you came to find that sound. Out of frustration. I didn't know what to do. It was like, and uh, we used to have an electric shop, a radio shop next to Dunwich Terrace where we, we lived, two, two blocks. No, two houses down. And the, the Ted, his name was Davis, no relation, Ted Davis. I walked in there one day and there was this little green amplifier. I said, I'll bet that's out because <laughs> bought it for 10 quid and expecting the whole world to change overnight. I plugged in there and Oh man, back to square one. And out of the, that frustration, I cut the corner speaker up, and then things started to happen. It's when the, the grit started to come out the app. Because didn't you you also because you give this description the book where it sounds like you you had quite a few amps, which is quite impressive, and you were like plugging yeah. amps into other amps. Like, yeah, it was, oh, it's funny because an AC thirty, which is a bit posh. That that really got, I mean there might be a timeline problem there. It yeah. happened a bit it later. Does... But that also you've got to remember we had luckily we had a relative, my sister's husband Mike, worked at um British Airways, which you believe. He was a musician, a guitar player. And he introduced me and Ray to Burt Wheaton. Oh yeah. Uh, yes. so I love to play. Yes, play in oh. a day, play in a day. Play in a day, yeah. But um, that was the only way to learn. You know, the, the first time someone gave me a chart of you know, music, I thought, oh, fuck. Oh, sorry. And what I used to do, I used to predict the notes that were coming, like, like thinking I was making up a scale because I thought what should come next, you know. Bah, 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 yeah, bah, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, I know exactly what you mean. And that part that's true. That's yeah. what you do music. You learn it to make out. Yeah. I was actually very, very interested in science fiction. And music is like science fiction when you start it out. It's kind totally. of like, future. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's the future. Maybe it's yeah. a waste of future. Transport ourselves. It, it, it is, it is, really. Guy, there was probably if he's in the studio with Shell Tommy, there's probably a Wem sitting there, right? That's that belongs to the studio. So that's that, that, yeah, it wasn't necessarily oh. Dave's amp. I'm thinking that, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no. It's only in the book. He's, you talk you talk about in your bedroom, and you had, and and it's it oh. sounds quite technologically sophisticated of how you're taking outputs <laughs> from one amp and putting them into another one. So yeah. making that amp a preamp. I was thinking, but nevertheless, it was a it was yeah, a razor anyway. blade that made the made this 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 first the orig original design. sound, yeah. Messing about a razor blade and a funny little amp. And then obviously the follow-up to that, you know, all the day, all all of the night, you know, was really, you know, making pushing that even further. Yeah, I always thought the all day was what you really got we should have been. But actually when you when you play them back to back. You really got me. It's got a place in in history. Yes. Well, yeah, the door set. Because we didn't so. know what we were meant, doing. That's a, that's, that's yeah. a great thing about music. Is like the best stuff happens when you don't know what you're doing. I think. There's a lovely comparison you make as well when you say that that how that early stuff you did completely influenced all the bands around at the time, you know, from the Who and everyone, you know, we all know Can't Explain comes straight from, you really got me, and and, yeah. uh, and, and the Doors Which completely, always, completely uh, stole it. The Doors just stole it, didn't they? For Hello blatant, that's a blatant, blatant, blatant <laughs> steal, yeah. What's interesting is it's your later stuff that influenced everyone who came later, to Blur and Madness and yeah, everyone what, like that. That's what happens. Yeah, but yeah. good. I'm glad. No, it's a, <laughs> it's a fantastic legacy. Was there, was there, actually, that's a good point, though, Guy. Was there ever a feeling, Dave, in, in your career that you'd push the door open and then other people were just sort of running in over the top of you sometimes? Yeah, I guess so. But, like, when you're young, you think you're kind of invincible a bit. You know, you think, oh, don't worry about it. No. There'll be something else. It's like my old man used to say, oh, don't worry about it. Something else had come along. Because that period of the of the mid-60s is things are moving so fast, yeah. so insanely fast, aren't they? If you think of what a record sounded like in 1964 compared to what a record sounded like in 1960, like what a guitar sounded like from year to year. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember that um, when I'm because of my movies, there's a lot of int- different yeah. stuff going on, like. Saturday night and Sunday mornings really an, uh, an incredible cultural Mm-mm-mm. had incredible impact on me anyway. And when I met Albert Finney, it was like me and a a relative. There was all this stuff going on. Tom Cornyn, it was like me and a brother. And it's like, wow, it's not just music; it's everything, the fashion. And you all used to play football together, didn't you? There was some showbiz yeah. eleven you used to play for. Yeah, Tom Tom Cotton was a good footballer. Probably still. <laughs> but it used to be funny. It's showbiz eleven. It used to be it was serious, but it was a joke at the same time. Mm-mm. I think and what you're that, talking about as well is that that it was it was an amazing time because suddenly working class people had an art form that wasn't just a joke like music hall you know this was this was seriously talking about hey i like musical <laughs> i like musical but you know what i mean not yeah. wasn't just joking yeah. about it it's about really pretty stuff and was... finding a place out out in the uh you know in the public imagination well no it did and it, it happened in a strange way because a lot of Ray's writing, not nurtured, but everything's nurtured by everything art. It's like events in time, meet a guy in a pub and you write a song about him. Ray is a great observer of people and what they do, why they do it, mm-hmm. and where they're going or where they think they go. <laughs> and um, these forces were very prominent at the time, the social... You've got to be what ten years older, younger, younger than me. Yeah, uh, we're we're in our both in our early sixties. Me and me and guy. Yeah. Right, yeah, ten years younger than you. Ten years younger than you. Are. Yeah. So, but it's a big big thing culturally, and the schools system. I mean, I hardly went to school, so I wouldn't know. But I really did rebel at school. I did not like being told what to do, and. Um, did that run into being in the band with with Ray? I mean, was that yeah. was that an issue? No, it, it was it was okay because we were family. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. I get in there. You know. There was quite a lot of fighting on your stage, though, wasn't there? Not just between. Yeah, you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, so yeah, the more averse stuff was was with Mick, wasn't it? Mick, that was, yeah. Seemed to be. Well, you nearly you nearly died. You nearly died one night, didn't you? I'm sorry, come one inch the other way. Yeah. No, this is a hi hat. Apparently, Mick Mick tried to hit uh, Dave with a hi hat stand, which apparently, if in the end, he moved, it would have sliced your neck open. The things get you know dramatized and exaggerated. But it's in your book, mate. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but you got to make it look colourful. Oh God! I put my head, head back on. <laughs> no, it was very, very awful. The audience thing for shit because I thought it was a part of the show. <laughs> you know what's funny is um, in the book is because uh, because David Watts was a song obviously that is I, I think it's, what, album, what album's David Watts on? Uh, Dave. Oh. Yes, good point. Um, Wish I could be like David that. Watts, right? So the Jam did it, didn't they? And obviously it was a big. The yeah. Jam did, yeah. And then in your book, we're suddenly we suddenly get to see who David Watts really was, and it wasn't anything like yeah, the David Watts I imagined. <laughs> it wasn't like anybody I imagined when I met. It's the, it sounds it's it's yeah, like I one didn't. of those sixties movies, like I, If. It sounds yeah. like, like that. That's yeah, that yeah. scene, whole scene at the house. Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't. Um, I was a bit of a lad, but I didn't know about homosexuality, you know. And it, and it, it was all fun and exciting. What happened? Who was David Watts? He was a prom- a promoter that lived in Rutland, Rutland Weekend. And um, <laughs> who did that? Rutland Weekend. That, that's Eric, Eric Idle. Eric Idle yeah. did Rutland Weekend television. Anyway, we did this... Gig in Rutland, I was like, oh, great. And, and the promoter asked to go back to his house for a few drinks, house, like a mansion for a few drinks. And um, 
We can and can have a beer and that. No, you don't tend to have that stuff. Have some pink champagne. I won't give a go. <laughs> and, uh, and one thing led to another. The longer the evening went on, I noticed that there were no women in the, the groups of people. And, it was, and even local CID were gay guys. You know, I've never... That's, that time, that's the amazing angle. That's that I amazing. I never angle. saw a copper with pink socks on before. And that was a giveaway. Anyway, basically, well, David, uh, David Watts fell in love with you a bit uh, that night. Yeah, yeah. excessively yeah. so. And, you know, and um, I and think really... to swap you for his house. Yeah, he probably thought he was saving a few years' misery. Get him yeah. house and get rid of him. Oh. Oh, God, Ray Stride tried to swap you for his house. Oh, yeah. So the story yeah. goes, the Ray chatted up David Watts to get to swap me for, for his house. His posh house. <laughs> and uh, I know a silly sort of didn't tweak to ages ago. And then he wound you up even further by writing a song. I wish I could be like David Watts. I know. He wound everybody up, especially David. Wonder. I wonder if the I wonder if the jam would have been so keen on doing it if they knew that was the story. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because yeah. I remember some many years later I met Paul Weller and he, he was I was making a solo album at Conk and he came around I think about the beginning of the rise to fame and, and uh, he had. Uh, a 45 of Susanna still alive. Wow. Oh, and wow. he wanted me to sign it. And so I didn't have the heart, oh. to, heart to tell him about David Woods. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you've been part of, of some of the greatest records. I mean, it's unbelievable listening yeah, to this music yeah. over the last few days. I mean, the, well, days. There, there you go. There's, a, there's an amazing song. Oh, yeah. You know, I played on Kirsty McCall's version of that. Oh, it's great, Bruce. It's great. There's always there's always some connection with guy playing bass on with every one of our guests. (laughs) But but the other one, of course, I mean Lola. We can talk about that. You know, Ape Man, the first record I ever bought, Dave. Ever. Oh man, bless you. And I still have it downstairs. I went out. I was ten, and I went with my brother down to the record shop. We'd been working in the greengrocers, and we'd earned our wage packet. (laughs) We decided we'd both buy a seven-inch record, and he bought the Tremolos, me and my life, and I bought Eight Man. Good choice. Waterloo Sunset. I mean, almost certainly is on my list as one of the greatest songs ever. Yeah, ever written. Do you remember that moment? Uh, okay, and how was this? Right, jump and say, I'm, a, I'm, and I'm from Waterloo. All right, you're all from Islington. I'm from. Oh Canada, yeah. So there you go. That'll do. Like, yeah. And he's experiencing the sunset of his life right now. Oh. <laughs> the sunset of my career, certainly. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, but how was the writing, uh, Dave? Did you did some of it come out of jamming, or did you just suddenly turn? Did Ray just say, "Come and have a listen to this"? Well, it was both. It was like Waterloo Sunset come out of a, a piano, piano riff that Ray was playing, and um, we tied it up to fit the guitar sound at the time. And um, it also, it was a great song. I mean, it's the hardest yeah, song. Yeah, no, but your, your guitar is, is like, it's that thing of, of perfect, perfect arrangements. Those guitar licks of yours could not be more perfect than if a, oh, there is nothing that would fit as oh, well as they do. You know? Well, thank you. But I thought that's what professional musicians did, is that you compliment... Oh. The song. Well, I, ideally, yes. <laughs> but it was more, a lot of the work we did, me and Ray, was done by instinct. And Ray was a craftsman, really, but there's so many nuances that go into a, a, a ploy or a character or a method. Or, and it's not easy, but sometimes it's accidental. All these things happen. Start the weather, you know. Some plants pissing down the road today. You change it. Music's a wonderful, wonderful way of creating peace, and creating love, and creating things you, you didn't know you were aware of. 
Because Leonard Bernstein talked about You Really Got Me, didn't he? As being a perfect expression of the Mixolodian mode or whatever. Yeah. You, you, you wouldn't know that. No, I but I do that. now. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do now. She told me. <laughs> you know, we're talking about influences as well, Guy. You know, we've, we we missed, because uh, we we talked to Shell Tell Me about this, didn't we? See My Friends which has that Indian drone in oh, it. Yeah, which, which is actually the first the first Indian thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah before that, the Beatles yes. ever did anything. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, Norwegian Wood had a sitar on it, but I think it, this was the first time any drone or any Asian influence had, had come into music. And it was with you guys again. How did you get that yeah. sound, by the way, that drone? Well, it's really like, Ray had this idea for a song and... We wanted a kind of a backbeat that was like a drone. Ray had this 12-string famous guitar. We detuned it from the original streaming so that sound sounded more like a drone. And then we mixed it in with my electric droney sound and then it kind of evolved out of that. I don't know, it right. Ray probably got a whole different story about it, but... I always felt there was a lot of emotion. I see my friends playing across the river, like in river, all, yeah, you know, like, never to be <laughs> kind of feeling. Yeah, I want to, I want to finish up there by talking about a bit more about your your influences as the as a band because it's quite extraordinary. The first time I think, you know, I ever heard uh, "Where Have All the Good Times Gone," it would have been the Bowie version on Pinups. It wasn't actually your right. band. That version made me go back and listen to a lot more of your stuff, you know. But then you've oh, got you know, "Stop Your Sobbing," "Pretenders," "The Hard Way," um, you know. <clears> there's, <throat> there's so much inspiration that the Kinks have have, have given bands that that appeared in the one of my yeah favorite covers of the Kink song is by the Stranglers, "All Day and All, all of the Night." Oh right, and that's one of my favorite. But, um, you know, I, I loved, you know, obviously when Van Halen co covered You Really Got Me. Yeah, yeah. And it became a worldwide success. One thing's for sure, one thing I've learned is you've got a lot of love. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a real pleasure having you on. Real honour for I, us. No, I mean, it's a a great, real, real honour. Real it's honor. great to see you guys and, and thanks for making it easy. Good luck with the book, and you've got an album, and they've got an album that complements the book, right? Yeah, it's an album that we pieced together a, a bunch of songs that complement the book and remixes, and as a, a nice version of a, a song I wrote called Strangers. It's about how we get to a point, we, we grow up in a family, and like Dave's, our family, and, and it comes to a point where really. In a way, you're kind of strangers. You might have lived together for 10, 20 years or whatever, but really strangers. And it, it takes a while to get to know people, I think. It's really a, a song about friendship, I guess. They've loved your brother. Just to finish off, yeah. actually, I, yes. I hear there's going to be more kink stuff. Is that going to happen? I hope, I hope so, yeah. Good. We're trying to get some... Is it, there's a lot of stuff there. You know, it needs knocking to shape and get it together. We yeah. need, because, yeah. We need. I've got to say, Dave, because you're someone who, you know what? Frankly, you you've been the soundtrack of my. I've always listened to you, and I always will. And I know I can probably get, say the same for Gary. Yeah. So. I even yeah, played yeah. one of your. I played one of your songs at his fiftieth birthday party, didn't I? You did. You did. Oh, you did. What was it? Because you really got me. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> All go. right, mate. All the best. All right. Yeah, take care. Thank you very much. Sure. Thank you, David. Thank love. you so much. Lots of love. Oh, what a what oh. a beautiful man. What a beautiful man. And what uh, there's so and we barely scratched the surface. Because I, I, I really would recommend that book to anyone because it's the. Uh, but then you need to put a lot of time aside because you're going to be listening to a lot of music. That's true. Absolutely. That's what that's what you do. But it it is very honest, isn't it? It's I mean it's unbelievably. Honest Unf about unflinching, thing. I believe, is the word one would use. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, thank you for listening. Oh, it's so nice to be back. I'm sorry we had to take a break for a couple of weeks. I know that I've got some texts and emails from friends who listen and go, what am I meant to be doing on a Sunday morning? Now you're not here. I know. So, so we're responsible for everyone now, aren't we? 
<laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, we accompany dog walks and coffees and all, all kinds of uh, things, um, avoiding real life. That's right. <laughs> uh, but we're back for a while. We've got quite. We've got few... we've got quite the list. We have got quite the list, people. So keep it here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's good night from me. Good night from them.